people are talking. Welcome to the 47th episode of the We All Serve podcast. There we go. The uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Angel Torres. I still love your shadow box. So um, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, oh, you're, you're better half. Uh, she, she done well. She did. And she surprised me. I didn't even know it was coming. She, I just, I think it was like my birthday or something. And she and just showed up and I used to have, it was it's so funny because I used to have all my medals and ribbons and name tags and stuff in a Tupperware box in my, in the closet behind you. And she like went through and, and was organizing things. She's like, why is this here? I was like, ah, oh, that's who I used to be. She's like, no, that's who you are. And she went and right sized it and put it on the wall. That's good. It's good. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, you spend so much time trying to straighten everybody else out and make sure everybody yeah. else is taken care of. Hardest thing is obviously taking care of yourself. So that's yeah. why uh, you have people looking out for you. So um, they, they before cobblers have the worst shoes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we get into this week's uh, guest, as well as we'll also uh, talk briefly about who we're having next week. Um, but uh, in general, how's your week been? It's been great. It's been great. You know, I was telling uh, a few friends that when you transition and you learn, it's uh, I think Christian Anschutz said it best is you start a new career and you knew all the stuff when you're in the military. But now you're you're the the novice person. That leadership skill set is still inside you. You just have to learn like to go to ophthalmologist and you have to find the right lenses so you can see the how things are done. So it's it's pretty fun ride. I mean, you know, drinking from a fire hose for sure. But how are things over in Texas, man? You ready to come home yet? Uh, no, you know what? I, I may end up, uh, I may end up out here a little bit longer. I'm having the time of my life. Truly, truly, truly. And, uh, our guest and I've had a couple of conversations. Uh, you know, what? I love it. I, I never imagined, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit. Uh, once we, once we, once we bring uh SMA retired daily onto the, uh, onto the, onto the cast, but I, you know, I came in really came into the army, um, you know, with strong sort of civilian background and entrepreneurial background yeah. and, and, never legislation and legislation. And I never imagined that, that you can innovate. It's funny. I, I don't want to call somebody out, but somebody told me actually right before this, this mobilization that we're on, he said, you know, sir, any idea, any good idea that you have, it's already been thought of before. Just go with the basics. Don't don't be creative. Don't come up with all all your all your crazy new good ideas and stuff. And he said it's it's already been done before. And you know what? I'm proud to say he's completely and totally wrong. He's completely and totally wrong because it is possible to innovate. It is possible to make a difference. That's how it's done. So either way, that was a long answer to your short question. I'm having the time of my life and loving it. It's getting warmer though. I will say that. I'll bet. I'll bet. But let's bring. Uh, uh... Dan on it because I'm excited to talk to that guy. Who's coming so, on next week? Oh yeah, let's let's talk about that and let's make sure people know how they can subscribe. So next week, very excited. We're going back to one of uh, one of your guys. We're going to have Rear Admiral retired Dan Klobel. and Dan, really really impressive. Highly recommend everybody check this out. Check out vetjobs.org. He's the founder. Him and his wife. He uh, he uh, he reached the uh, flag officer rank in the uh, in the Naval Reserves while also. Uh, serving as a American Airlines pilot, and he, him, and his wife, they launched um, what I believe uh, was uh, was sort of instigated by the National Guard, a uh, veteran and military spouse employment network, and they are doing awesome, awesome things. We we're going to talk about his experience, and now he actually has time to put into it. So very excited for that conversation. But Angel, how can people uh, make sure they don't miss an episode? They can call their friends. They can call us. 
Uh, I think your number is like a 1-800 number or something. But they can subscribe, like, share on LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, all those things above, and, and just uh, let people know about what, what you uh, saw and heard. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, as we bring in our, uh, our guest over here, and really, I could not be more excited that, uh, about this conversation. Um, truly, truly an honor. They say that uh, NCOs, at least in the Army, uh, you know, the backbone of the Army. So our next guest truly must have a very, very strong spine over here um, because he reached the, uh, the highest enlisted rank in the United States Army. Let's bring him here on the screen. So you can see a smiling face. Uh, SMA retired Dan Daly. I'll, I'll give the, uh, the short version of the bio because honestly, I could we could spend an hour just uh, just talking about this. But uh, SMA retired daily uh, is a native of Palmerton, Pennsylvania. He listed in the army in 1989 and attended basic training AIT as an 11 Bravo, which is the infantry. And he he has held, as I mentioned, every enlisted leadership position, certainly in the mechanized infantry, but has served in uh, in every uh, in every uh, in every possible enlisted rank imaginable uh, as the CSM of battalion, brigade, uh, division level, and rising uh, to the rank of the 15th Sergeant Major of the Army on January 30th, 2015, uh, all the way up until uh, the uh, mid-2019. So it was at, uh, as I was sort of coming to the Army, I remember hearing all about uh, SMA uh, daily. And in addition to four tours in support of Op Operation Iraqi Freedom and New Dawn, um, SMA daily deployed in support of Operation Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Uh, he's earned many, many well-deserved um, recognitions. And probably most importantly is he has been married to his wonderful wife, Holly, for 26 years, and they have wow. one son, Dakota. So uh, SMA Daily, welcome to the program. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, guys, and uh, look forward to having a conversation tonight. Um, just in case my wife's listening, it's actually 28 years now. That uh, bio is a little dated. So uh, I'm happily married to my my uh, what I call starter wife for 28 years, right? She's she started with me a long time ago, and we're still together. So thanks for having me on the show. As long as she's not dated. The rest, the rest <laughs> right. can be dated. She can't be dated. You got to keep right. her. Right. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's fresh as the day you met her, and, she, and you're lucky she dated you. That's right. <laughs> she's, hey, she's, Shalom. There's no way you could be Mick Pond because you're entirely too uh, youthful and good-looking a dude to be Mick Pond. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care who knows that. <laughs> I have, well, I know several of the McPons, so I'm gonna have to call them tonight. And let them know that. <laughs> Please, which one? Which one? You who's who's your go-to guy? McPon Stevens uh, served when I served. Uh, he's a great man. Yeah, he is a good um, guy. Rescue yeah. swimmer, right? I'm sorry. He was a rescue swimmer at one point, I think. I think he was. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I will start this by saying that um, I uh, I'm a runner. Um, I'm up every morning at uh, zero four, and I run. And I have my uh, my go to list of uh, of podcasts that I listen to, and catch up a little bit on what's going on in the world. I feel somewhat disconnected while I'm out here, um, but also uh, I listen to a number of uh, military related podcasts. I uh, I actually just this morning was listening to uh, the uh, current SEAC, uh, senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Um, he's always had some interesting guests, but the, truly, and I'm not saying this just because our guest is here on the screen. 
screen. Um, but I love tuning into the AUSA's many podcasts. Um, but uh, SMA Daily, you host a fantastic conversation and uh, some cross promotion over here. You you you've had conversations with many uh, many leaders uh, across the army, and in particular, I've enjoyed some of the recent ones um, where you've highlighted some of the contributions of the National Guard, Army Reserve, and so on. So again, what really the reason why I reached out and wanted to bring you on is because you certainly have, as mentioned, served in many roles, but you're, you've continued to serve and that is important. So I want to go back to the very, very beginning, 1989, I believe. And um, why in the world did you walk into a recruiter's office? Tell us about your family life and you know your family's support at the time before you met Holly. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I actually walked in the recruiter office uh, much earlier than 1989. Um, I, I served for several reasons. One, because, you know, I wanted to serve my country. But from as long as I can remember, our father talked to us all the time about how special it was for him to serve in the Army. And his brother served. And both of my grandfather served in World War II. And his brother was in Vietnam. And he wanted to join the Army and serve. And my older brother served uh, before me. Um, so when it was time, uh, you know, I'm from the Poconos, which is northeastern Pennsylvania, beautiful place. But in the late 80s, not many opportunities for a young man graduating from high school who didn't have any money to go to college. So I used to say all the time for me, it was coal mine, moonshine or move on down the line. So I picked move on down the line. Um, but I chose to serve and be a soldier. So I, I went up and started talking to the recruiter when I was in 11th grade. And then uh, I was uh, only 17 as a senior. So my parents actually signed me into the United States Army and and I was off. Wow. I I know exactly what you mean as far as family. You know, you look to your family members and you either see them in uniform or see the pictures or hear the stories. And you always have that kind of wondering, like, I wonder if I could be that cool. I wonder if, if I, you know, if I was in that situation, it's just that curiosity that most people that never worn the nation's cloth always have. And especially when you get around a bunch of us and we're just kind of poking at each other and you they see that bond and that, that camaraderie and like what we you know, talk about Mick bond. It's just, it's just instinctive. Like those are, those are my guys, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, for me, for, for me to be honest with you, several reasons I wanted to first make my dad proud. You know, um, he was very proud of his service. He was proud when I saw my older brother leave for seeing how the smile on his face about his son serving. But I also wanted to get money for college, just like many young um, people out there that joined the military. Um, and I was going to serve and come home, go to college and start my life. But things changed. Yeah. You put you. Uh, did you go to school while you were while you were in the service? I did. Yeah. Several, several times throughout my career. And then finally, I think uh, I think I have the longest bachelor's degree in history. It took me about twenty years, but I finally got I was, it done. I was thirteen. Mine was, I'm right behind you. Mine was thirteen. <laughs> it was like a class here at this base, then St. Leo's, then Columbia. <laughs> in the field and uh, in the infantry, and back in those days, there was no internet. You know, so you had to be, you know, dedicated to go to class. And and I'm making excuses. I should have done it much sooner. And if those young soldiers are out there listening, get some classes done one at a time. Fight away at it um, because. You don't want to be a guy like me when you're a division star major in Iraq and most of your professors are younger than you and they're telling you what leadership is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. So no I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm curious when you came in and you got started uh, again, 11 Bravo. Um, so, you know, uh, hustling hard. And w did you expect to be a, 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 a lifer or did you expect to get in, get out? What were some of your goals and aspirations at the time? My initial goal was to serve. 
um, you know, serve my country, make my father proud, get some college money and go home, to be very honest with you. Um, not that I hated the army. I remember the day in vivid color. I was in Germany in Schweinfurt. I was sitting down on the quad and my squad leader walked up to me and said, hey, uh, have your reenlistment card. Back then we used to have these cards that were at the company and he said, you, you're due to reenlist. He said, have you thought about reenlisting? I said, you know, I, I haven't really. And uh, he goes, why not? I said, well, I love the army. I just came to serve and I'm going home. Right. So I didn't think about it any any differently. I, I don't think a lot of moms and dads out there actually say, hey, my son's going to join the army and stay 30 years and become the sergeant of the army. <laughs> that's not that's not a dream of, of parents. And it's not a reality um, for soldiers at that level. Obviously, it's a dream, but not a reality. And then I remember calling my father that night and said, Dad, I think I'm going to reenlist. And he said, I, he goes, I think that would be great. And Sergeant Davis looked at me and he said, I think you'd make a great non-commissioned officer. Let's send you the primary leadership development course and see how you do. And the rest is history. Well, it sounds like you served in a lot with a lot of the same people, type of people that I, I had the opportunity to serve with. And that's a draft, a draft era. And they're colorful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there, we still had a few folks that were originally drafted for Vietnam. Yeah. Not many by that time. Most of them were gone. Um, but a lot of Grenada vets at that time, um, they, those were the, the, our heroes, you know, the guys that had the combat patches that went to Grenada. Um, I think that only lasted a few hours. But, you know, for us back then. But it was eternity. Shortly <laughs> thereafter, though, we all found ourselves wearing a combat patch, too, after we went to a place called um, Saudi Arabia in Operation Desert Storm. <laughs> and so you you sort of just touched on it. Um, you talked about about some of the influence um, you had a you had a, a sergeant, likely a team leader, um, that uh, that saw saw your potential and uh, wanted to help you uh, advance and uh, saw an opportunity for you to make this into a career and certainly lead others. So who who can you point to as as key influences or mentors across your your military career? And uh, you know. I'm sure it's too numerous to list, but any any couple of names to shout out and why? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would start with Staff Sergeant Davis. Um, he was an absolute the standard bearer of a non-commissioned officer and a squad leader, and probably the best squad leader in the battalion. And not self-proclaimed, but everybody else said that too. And I, and I was lucky enough to be put in his squad. And and every single day, he trained us hard, he mentored us, and he taught us right, and he invested in us. I think. Because of him, um, is uh, he's, he's got a lot of responsibility for me becoming the Sergeant Major of the Army because I tried to be like Staff Sergeant Davis every day of my life for the next 30 years. I honestly did. And then I was what I call the lucky soldier. Every time I went somewhere, you know, I've heard stories about soldiers saying, well, you know, I had a bad leader. I did. I had these phenomenal leaders. I had an excellent platoon sergeant when I PCSed um, at Fort Riley, Kansas, named uh, Sergeant First Class Shipley absolutely the standard an awesome guy uh, then i had a awesome first arm when i went to korea mark baker who is still to this day a mentor of mine and a phenomenal friend and an outstanding leader in his own right and then when i was a first arm in fort carson colorado my battalion star major was a two-time best ranger competition winner i mean i just kept getting all these super duper heroes you know um and working for him and then my officer counterparts too. I can't leave them out. I have, I am lifelong friends with, and I have to mention them tonight. My company commander when I was a first sergeant, uh, Kevin Ryan, who unfortunately did get out of the army, but he started a brewery and it's called the Service Brewery. It's in Savannah, Georgia. So if you're in Savannah, 
down on River Street, stop in Service Brewery and say hi to Kev and mention my name and maybe you'll get a nickel off your beer or something. You know, probably charge you extra. Oh, nickel. Oh, yeah, yeah. He must really like you. <laughs> and then uh, as I'm moving up through the ranks as a Sergeant Major, um, just phenomenal mentors. You know, um, General David Perkins retired as a four star. I was with him as a division commander. I was his division Sergeant Major. Absolutely. We all knew at that point that he was going to be a four-star general. And I had the awesome opportunity of just being able to watch and emulate his leadership style every single day. And I can go on and on. Um, and then in the culmination, my two chief of staffs of the Army, General Odierno and General Milley, who is now the chairman, absolute phenomenal leaders. You do not get to those positions in our military without being really good at what you do. And uh, I used to tell people all the time is, you get in some great places as the SMA, you know, a lot of times in the White House or in the tank inside the Pentagon, which is basically the situation room. Um, and just having an opportunity to sit and listen and pick these sound bites from these incredible leaders from all the services. It's an amazing opportunity. It can't be replaced. And I find a lot of those guys are are pretty low ego if you really get to know them. I mean, so they really are, they're, they're super approachable and like, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. And, and, and they'll talk to you as, and it's talking like Chuck near your dad or your, your mom or, or anyone, in your family members. And they're just very approachable. It's part of that charisma that gets them there. I think. Yeah. All very outstanding leaders, you know, very humble, uh, yeah. completely dedicated. I tell people all the time, you know, the chief, seven days a week, 365, 20 hour days in many cases, never gets a break, never gets a minute off. And he's always incredibly focused. And when he's around soldiers, like you said, open and honest and joking with them and have fun, but also listening to their needs. And and then he would come back with an action list. And those poor staff officers in the Pentagon used to get all the things that uh, our soldiers needed fixed across the, the, the army. And as well as I did the same thing too when I came back. Um, but yeah, just incredible opportunities throughout my entire career to be mentored by this nation, the nation's finest collection of leaders. One thing I've always been um, admired was the difference with senior enlisted leaders across the across the board. You have you know the Air Force Chief Mass Sergeants, the Gunnies, and the, the Marine Corps, and and with the Army, the way you guys they're senior enlisted. And your commanding officer, it's 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 a marriage, is what it is, and it's 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 you know kind of together, and you go to different commands together, and and I always thought that that was the neatest thing because command master chiefs wasn't like that um, often. It was it was kind of different, and you get billeted differently and stuff. And it just I just thought it was the neatest thing in the world the way you guys were kind of um, had each other's backs. Now have have you kind of followed like when some of those leaders have left, reached out, and had those connections with them still? Absolutely. Um, still talk to commanding general when I was division sergeant major all the time, General Dave Perkins. Um, he's one of the senior fellows for AUSA. I talked to Kevin Ryan this morning. Um, he's down there in Savannah. I was supposed to be down there this week, but unfortunately something happened and we had to switch our plans, but we'll get down there to see him um, and many others all the time on a regular basis as much as I can. I should probably do a better job at reaching out more often, but uh, you know, I get a full-time job now too. So they're all busy, but they're all easily approachable to this day. We all stay in great contact and, and share ideas and just what's going on with our families in life. You tell us about a little bit about your tr transition. I mean, the, um, the, yeah. you go from being the senior enlisted and, and, and for just a little organization like the army and saying, you know, you, you got to ask yourself, cause you, you were a kid when you went in, you know, yeah. at some point we got to ask ourselves that question, what do we want to be when we grow up? Right. That's and right. 
and <laughs> and when I have to actually put on something that's not a fatigue related item, <laughs> tell us about what your 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 discovery and transition was like. Yeah, yeah, scary. Like you you mentioned it. I literally started this business when I was a child, and I thought about it from many years prior to me even signing in about joining the army. Um, and you know, I was sixteen when I made the choice, seventeen when I signed the paper, or my parents signed for me, and then. Yeah, um, and I was still 17 when I first came in the army. I was, you know, I didn't turn 18 until I got to my first unit. Um, so this is all I had done. You know, of course, the army taught me a lot, right? And moving up through the ranks, the army um, invested in me and educated me throughout throughout the years too, and gave me a great base and foundation. And I, I wasn't scared about not getting a job or you know supporting my family. I, I knew that would come, and you know, I'm a soldier. I'll figure it out if I have to. I'll pick up trash. I, I'll, I'll dig ditches, you know, whatever I need to do, I'll, I'll do it to make it happen. It's just the change, you know, um, you heard all your friends talk about, Hey, it's different out here. And mm-hmm. Hey, you know, it's not like the brotherhood and sisterhood we have in the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I got great advice from one of those mentors, general David Perkins. And he said, Hey, listen, you were the sergeant of the army. Um, you can get a good job. You can, but the great job will find you. And boy, was he right. I decided not to panic about it. You know, my wife and I had already built our retirement house in our hometown. We, were, we had a place to live. I went home. She put me to work full time as a contractor. Oh, Got yeah. My tool, tool belt on, you know, grew me a little beard, beer at lunch. I was living the dream. And then the phone rang. You were in your union meetings too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and I was building this house and then the phone rang and said, hey, what are you doing? I said, um, Two by fours right now. <laughs> what to do you? You want help? <laughs> and General General Perkins was right. That call came from a gentleman named General Carter Ham, the president of AUSA. And and we are going to talk a lot more about AUSA because uh, as uh, as the other soldier, you're the soldier for life. But as the uh, as the guy uh, that still puts the uniform on, uh, I, I'm grateful for all the resources that AUSA has, and we'll talk more about that. But it's important for me to make sure that we, you know, while many folks are tuning in, and I've seen a couple of uh, nice uh, quick comments come in on the on the chat over here uh, from folks that. Uh, uh, have have very fond memories. I was telling you before uh, before we went live over here. I was in a meeting today, and uh, people uh, saw that uh, you and I would be talking this evening, and and they all say uh, you know send their regards to uh, to the former uh, SMA. Um, and not everybody tuning in um, puts the has put the uniform on. And um, and now I see you've got that lovely green polo. I see green is still your favorite color, um, and uh, and and you 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 certainly understand that service takes many different uh, shapes and forms. So I want to touch on that for uh, for a couple of minutes over here and talk a little bit about now that you are on the other side of uh, of, of of sort of of the picture of, of thirty years uh, of of service. What's your advice to to the young Dan Daly that's out there that's considering putting the uniform on? And you know, would you do it again? And you know, what what advice would you have uh, to somebody out there? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. And uh, you know, if I can go back and talk to young Dan Daly, um, I'd do it all over again. I'd make the mistakes I made. I would take the chances I took, and and be the young scared kid, and and I'd go for it again. I, I honestly would. Now it's easy for me to say because I ended up being the sergeant of the army, but uh, you know, but but uh, I would. I would go back and do it again. And I think my advice to every young man and woman out there is the 
here's the honest truth. The military is not for everybody. Um, and I've always told soldiers that you, you join this profession and that's what it is. It's a profession. You're going to sacrifice. You're going to serve. That's why there's, you know, you can pretty much buy anything in America today, but you can't buy. Thank you for your service. And you're going to earn that. But I'll tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get a lifetime of friends and family. You're going to get an experience like no other. You're going to feel rewarded internally, um, spiritually, and uh, and you will never, ever, ever feel bad about yourself going to sleep at night because you served the greatest country in the world and you donned the cloth of being an American soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman, and space force. Boy, it's a whole mouthful now. You got to you got to spit them all out. So many, but uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, you and, but it's not for everybody. And you got to decide that this is what you want to do. Now, some people will come serve for two, three, four, five years, and God bless every single one of them. We need soldiers to serve, right? And and not everybody wants to stay, and not everybody has to stay, and not everybody can stay, right? And that's okay. Um, but we need great people, great people who realize that they can put their lives on hold because in many cases you will, right? You're still going to have a life. You're still going to have a family. You're still going to have friends, right? But you're going to serve this nation in a calling that's higher than I believe any other um, profession in the United States. And you will be fulfilled. I promise you. I promise you. So, so just on the on the flip side of that, we know that mm -hmm. it's actually a relatively small number of people that they can serve, and um, I I can't tell you the number of times that I that I am stopped by friends of mine that might be a couple of years older than I am, um, that they say, "I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous." Really, on, along all the points that you just mentioned, um, I'm so jealous. You know, I only wish that I would have put the uniform on. But I didn't. I didn't. Now I've got a couple of kids. I'm 36, yeah. 37 years old. What, what do you have to say to them? Hey, I say, you know what? Everybody has an opportunity to serve and you don't have to wear the uniform to do it. I mean, there's all kinds of service. You know, the, the very easy ones outside the military are being a police officer or a nurse or a school teacher or a doctor. Right. But you don't even have to be one of those. Just going over and helping your neighbor. Just, just going to work every day, doing your part for this non, this country, you know, um, and being good to people. That's service. There's just there there's service for everybody out there, and you don't have to wear the military uniform, and you don't have to be jealous or regretful that you didn't. Um, this nation doesn't need everybody in the military, but it does need everybody to live under one flag. It's the one that's on the wall behind our gentleman co-host here, right? And, and we, we all have to agree to live in, in a way and shape form that is conducive to all our success. And all our job is, at least my job for the last 30 years, was to give a little bit better opportunity at life for that next generation. To, to be able to fulfill their dream, to take what they take and to give what they give back to this, this great nation. So I think there's many ways to serve. Um, there's... There's a whole bunch of appropriate labels to service. And I'm a firm believer in that. You don't have to just put a military uniform on. Um, and as a matter of fact, going back to my young uh, captain friend down at uh, down in Savannah, Georgia, when you walk into service brewery, there's this humongous chalkboard. And I have to do this because you can't see my hands, but it's big. And when you walk in there, it says, how do you serve? And you write on there. Right? Wow, and I want I everybody, you can Google it tonight and you see yeah. all the messages on there right? about how you serve. And I think it's just awesome, right? Because again, you don't have to wear the uniform. If you do, thank you for your service, but you don't have to, to serve this nation. 
Yeah, great point because Lord knows we need uh, those of us leaving and, and transitioning need people that are like Jim Jim Vasilopoulos, um, who are great mentors who can keep us from stepping on little landmines in our careers when we make yeah. those transitions. And I am so grateful that they serve in the, their capacity because it, it it's rich and it's fulfilling and 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 it's so important. I mean, totally agree. And and throughout your career, uh, you uh, you've certainly you've 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 been probably had your speed bumps along the way. Um, at what point did you did you realize that you were going to make it? You were going to make it. You know, not necessarily to SMA, um, but but yeah. I mean, you you mentioned that at one point early on you were going to you were going to get out. Did that keep happening throughout your career? Because no doubt there were yeah. several times that that enlist or re-enlistment card came to you probably at some point it was modernized just a little bit in the process. But but tell us sort of at what point you just stopped you stopped second guessing yourself and you just said, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> That's a great question. First and foremost, to answer the first question, I, I was satisfied becoming a soldier. And coming off that airplane the first time to come home and seeing my mother and father there um, and standing in uniform, that, that was it for me. That, that, that's all I ever thought I would be. It's just a soldier. I, I say that all the time. I'm just a soldier. I'm, I'm proud of that. Right. Um, and then I, I never actually ever drove to, to the next rank. It, it kind of just came. And I followed great people who taught me how to do the right things. And I listened. Right. And I emulated those who did good. And. And I tried not to repeat the things of those who did bad. And and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, one day uh, I found myself as a division CSM. And once you are a division CSM, you're what is called a nominative SAR major, right? So now your career starts to get a little bit, um, you know, well, you can't really forecast it because you got to be selected and assigned to the next position. And if not, then it's time to go. Right. So, so you got to prepare for that. So, you know, back to the transition question, I started transitioning when I had 18 years in the army thinking that, you know, I'm going to have to be prepared to get out in case I don't get another job. And so I was on my fourth tour to Iraq and uh, I got a call that says, Hey, you're going to put your name in um, to compete, to be the trade ox army. Now I, I was an infantry uh, ranger qualified guy. Um, a heavy mechanized infantry guy for, for, for my whole career. And I was very comfortable. I'm going back and forth in Iraq and doing that business. And I was a little nervous about being the trade ox army. And I'm like, trade ox, I don't know nothing about that stuff. You know, um, the next thing I know, I got selected for the job. <laughs> so, and I remember um, spending like three months investing in educating myself and saying, okay, I'm here. And my job is to make a difference for these soldiers and, and do all the things I said I would do. And, and, and then about the fourth year, um, it kind of hit me that, oh my God, I'm eligible to compete to be the Sergeant Major of the Army. And, um, and when that time came, of course, my boss said, you're going to compete. And so I did. So I competed for the position and, um, well, there's a little story behind the whole getting to become the Sergeant of the Army, but uh, and and then it, it happened, right? So never really planned. It all kind of just fell that way. And I tell people all the time, you know, um, I'm an average guy. I'm not um, I'm not the best by any means or the best soldier by any means. I was just uh, very fortunate to have great leaders who took care of me, showed me the right direction, in the right place at the right time, and presented with the right opportunities and took the right chances on tough jobs. 
that is a, your, your attitude is something that just excites me because what I hear when I talk to people about their service and they did four years, they did six years and I just sat here in Kansas and did nothing. Or I did, you know, I was in San Diego and I did nothing. You know, I had a Marine friend that said that. And I was like, attitude means everything. Like if you have this whole, yeah, let's try that. That sounds great. Let's go try and do some of that stuff. <laughs> no, I haven't done that yet. Let's go do that. And it just, things just start happening. Your life just starts getting popular with these opportunities that, that just could yeah. pass other people. The one thing I want to ask you is, it's been my experience or something I've seen that hasn't really made me happy about was I've seen some senior enlisted leaders when they get to a certain point there, it, it's usually at the E9 breakout when they were, when they're getting ready to go up for the bigger jobs, there's a disconnection. It, it seemed like there was a disconnection between the, the person that is actually, you know, on the ground deck plates. We call it the deck plates, the deck plates, yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, it seems like you tried to be a soldier, soldier and, and be connected and stay connected and stay relevant and stay in touch and, you know, support the, you know, the generals. What was, what were some of the things you did as a leader to make sure that, and this is relevant to, to leadership as a, as a core to stay connected and to stay grounded to what was really important to those soldiers. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I listened to them, to be honest with you. It's not that hard. All you have to do is find them and ask them. They'll tell you what's wrong with the army. They'll tell you what's going on. They'll tell you what they're <laughs> mad about. They'll tell you what they're sad about. They'll tell you what's going great. They'll tell you, they will tell you how to run the army. That's the greatest thing about being the Army in the Army. If you just open your ears and listen to this, those great soldiers and they have the best ideas. I mean, I used to go to as many town halls as I, as, and I never forced anybody. They're all voluntary when I go to installation and I would stand there and talk to the last soldier that wanted to talk to me. And it frustrated my travel team so much because they're always calling and moving the plane and moving the plane and moving the plane. I'm like, hey, listen, if there's a soldier here that wants to talk about something, we're going to do it. Right. Because that's why we're here today. And I got some of the greatest ideas, you know, like uh, like black socks, you know, for, for years, you know, we were wearing a black PT uniform with white socks. And somebody said to me, he goes, hey, do you grew up in the 70s. Yeah. Did you have big collars? I said, sure. He goes, well, white socks with a black PT uniform is like having big collars. It doesn't look cool anymore. Right? And, uh, and so it's just, I mean, there's a little things, right? But uh, the big things too, and, and talking to families and just listening to them, they will guide you in the direction you need to go. Now, obviously you can't give soldiers everything they want because they've got a wish list that's longer than Santa's Christmas list. Uh, trust me, they, you know, and sometimes you got to be the father and say, no, we're not doing that. That's not what's best for us. Um, but you can, you do have to listen. You do have to listen to them, and you got to give them the time of day. And, and when you do, they know when you're genuine or not. Soldiers see right through that. They see right through leaders. You you're not faking it. You're not faking. It. These are smart young men and women, highly intelligent, athletic. You know, they're all those chemicals are flowing in the morning when they get up and do all that exercise. You know, and all those synapse gaps are are pinging. They're they're highly intelligent kids. And if you're not genuinely genuine with them, they'll, they'll pick it out in a minute. They will. Um, so, and then you'll I be that off. guy. <laughs> yeah, just all the leaders, all the leaders out there, just stop, listen to them, right? Talk to them, and uh, and see what their issues are, and also lead them. And the only way you're going to do that is by leading from the front. You know, and you, you don't have to win every day. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to be athletically gifted, but you do have to be on the field if you expect to lead the team. That's great. And I, 
I have a hunch. Uh, I think it's a fairly safe assumption that the majority of our listeners know what the United States Army is. I mean, we are yeah. talking to the retired senior enlisted advisor, but um, not everybody knows about the association of the United States yeah. Army. And um, when you alluded earlier that you got that phone call and you had that transition um, after you know chopping those uh, two by fours, you jumped over to the Association of the United States Army. So I am blessed to know, and as I mentioned, to listen to some of those conversations, which I think, by the way, are, uh, are absolutely awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about the association and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, like you said, I got that call from General Carter Hamm and asked me if I would come work the Associated United States Army, which again, I was blessed that the timing was right. You know, there was a previous SMA that was transitioning away from there and I wasn't done being a soldier. I was just jobbed out of the army. There was, none, there was no, there was no jobs left. I mean, it was just, so, you know, I had the transition and the right thing to do once you're the Sergeant of the Army is leave. You have to, right? Because the next Sergeant of the Army deserves, deserves her or, hit, uh, or his time. And you can't be in the way. So you, so you got to go home. So the Association of the United States Army is interesting. Most people don't know this. It was actually started by the Army. The Army actually created it after World War II because previous to that, um, the only association that existed were branches, right? So you had the Infantry Association, the Armor Association, the Artillery, the Aviation. And the Air Force left the Army. It was the Army Air Corps. They were leaving. And the army said, hey, we got to get our stuff together. All right. We can't start being branches anymore. Uh, we got to be an army. So they created the Association of the United States Army. And the first president was the vice chief of staff of the army. The first honorary president was the president of the United States. And then a few years later. Which one? Oh, you know what? Now you, you, you're going to catch me here. I got a well, 19. It was 70 years ago. So Eisenhower. Uh, uh, it was Eisenhower. That's right. It was Eisenhower. Yeah, it was Eisenhower. Um, so a few years later, they said, okay, uh, we're starting to get into the business of doing things that soldiers probably shouldn't be doing, but need to be done on behalf of the Army, advocating for the Army on Capitol Hill, working with industry, all these things. So they decided to transfer it to civilian leadership and make it a, a nonprofit organization. And what do we do today? The Association of the United States Army is the voice of the United States Army. We are the professional organization of soldiers. Every profession in America has an association that represents them. We do everything from represent them on Capitol Hill um, to advocate on behalf of the leaders, the secretary, the chief, the sergeant major of the army. Um, we are the uh, generators of the army magazine. So we help publicize the army. And our job is to educate, inform, and connect. That's simple. Educate, inform, and connect. The American people, our members, uh, our elected officials with that of our soldiers and its leaders in the United States Army. Um, we do a lot. All you have to do is visit AUSA.org. You can see all the great publications and all the products and all the events that we have. We're, we're most famous for our annual convention, which is in October 11th through 13th at the Walter E. Convention Center. Um, Will it be this go. year? Are they going to do it, it this year? It's going to be in person this year. I promise. I promise. I'll make sure, um, make sure Shalom's there. Unless another pandemic happens. <laughs> but, um, but as long as the city says we can come, and right now they're saying we can, uh, we're going to have the AUSA conference. But there's a lot more. So check us out at AUSA.org. And the podcast you're talking about, mine is called Soldier Today Podcast. It's part of the Army Matters podcast series. There's a lot of stuff on there. There's something in there for everybody. 
But if you want to hear recent conversations with people like the Sarmate of the Army, the Sarmate of the National Guard, the Army Reserve, or our focus on the Guard and Reserve this summer, we're talking to all the Sarm majors of each of the, the states. Well, we won't get through all the states. There's a lot of them, right? But um, we're starting with the big ones, the Texas, the PA. Uh, I think we're going to California next. Um, and they talk about all the great things that our soldiers are doing. But plenty of products out there. And then we have some digital subscriptions that are all free. That's, that's a great thing about AUSA. We want you to be a member. We need members, right? But we're never going to turn a soldier away. And a soldier can use all of our products. Um, and so can everybody else, honestly. Um, but we do a lot for Army. It's a great job. It kind of was an easy transition. And all the clothes that I had um, still kind of fit with the job. So I didn't have to go out and buy a new wardrobe other than the suits. I can't wear my military uniform. I had to buy a lot of suits. Yeah, so it's great. Angel, don't you think that it, that if Dan Daly was not um, was not doing the job that he's doing right now, don't you think he he has the voice for podcasting and for radio? I, I'm I'm feeling threatened right now. Well, I, I, have, I have the face for radio. That's right. My mom, mom always said I have a face for radio. <laughs> Angel, I'll give you the last word. Dan, I just want to ask, and then uh, uh, thank you so much. I just want to uh, ask, you know, what's a since you, you've been in this role, what's a piece of legislation or something you're actively involved in that you're really passionate and excited about? Oh, gosh. Uh, there's probably five or six a week that we're working on. Uh, one right now I'm talking about is there's a move on Capitol Hill to take some of the power away from our commanders and, and adjudicating certain offenses against soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And, and one of the things we're doing is we're advocating on behalf of the commanders. We, we don't think that's the appropriate step to take. Um, and it's in regards to sexual assault, a serious problem, right? And this is a serious problem that needs um, serious solutions, right? But uh, this is all the after the fact stuff. We think in order to combat sexual assault, we have to get to the preemptive stuff and get ahead of it. You know, taking the power away from a commander's ability to adjudicate those type of cases is not going to prevent sexual assault. That's, that's the treatment. Um, what we have to do is the prevention. Um, so that's so one of the things. The systemic not, failure, address systemic failures that that cause or are the root of of these kind of things. Yeah. Now, and our elected leaders are are concerned, and they should and they should be right, and yeah. they and they want to take action to correct this. And and there's some great people up there, uh, and they're all great. They are. There are elected leaders, and, and and they they believe in our military, and they work hard um, to help us and fund us and do the, and give us the things we need. Um, but sometimes, you know, we have to educate them, inform them. Right. Uh, on what are the consequences of this? What, what is it really going to fix? And so that's one of the things we're, we're advocating on behalf of uh, our soldiers today. And, and the good news is, is we don't do it alone. We work with the other associations. So we are um, hand in hand with the Association of the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Navy, all of them. And we go up there as a coalition right? and we circulate these issues back and forth between each other, make sure that we're all on the same page. And then we go up there and advocate on behalf of our senior leaders across all the branches of the military. Thank you, Dan. You know what? You, you could have, you could have taken a knee and, and dodged a question. You didn't, you, you, you grabbed it and you knew where my head was. And I really appreciate that your, your character. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything you've done and for everything you continue to do to, to show people what it means to serve. Well, thank you, team. And, I, you know, I got to have you on my show. Maybe we should flip this around, right? So uh, have you on Silver today. But then we're going to grill you, though. You, the tough you, questions. You, name, you name the time. And as long as my employer doesn't beat me up, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, well, we could, just like you, we can record them anytime. We'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll bring you guys on Silver today, and we'll, we'll have a great conversation for our listeners. But I, I look forward to it.
And, and I, I echo what Angel said. I truly appreciate it. And, and I, I, I'll say, as I said a, a little bit ago, um, I came into the Army during uh, during the tail end of, of, of your time as SMA. And uh, that was when I was learning what an SMA is. And, um, and now as a junior officer, um, you know, valuing the partnership with uh, with my uh, with my battle buddies, and um, I've been fortunate to have several conversations. Look forward to many, many more um, with you, and I'm I'm grateful to to have to have the mentorship. Um, but you you certainly have continued to put um, leadership out there, and I see some of the comments that have come in. And just on that final question that Angel asked about the about the sharp and sexual assault, I can tell you from being involved in these issues um, here on Fort Bliss that ultimately the the answer answer really is, and I know uh, SMA, you, you're, you're continuing to advocate, it really has to do with conversations and understanding. And that's, that's what it's all about. And I know that uh, it's the same in the, in the Army, same in the Navy, bottom line. Um, it, it's really all about, we are in a people business. And uh, that's, that's why on that closing note, that's why the, the, the title of the show is We All Serve, that ultimately, whether you put that uniform on and you serve for, you know, for two years or for 30 years, um, or you never put the uniform on, as long as you are serving, as long as you are giving back to people, and that is so, so highlighted right now um, in this era of COVID as we continue to unravel from that, we need more people to step up, we need more people to give, and the heroes that are out in the community, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for that every day. So, um, Again, thank you, SMA retired Dan Daly, for um, for your continued service, and thank you for joining us on the conversation. Um, before we wrap up episode forty-seven of We All Serve, again next week at the same time, uh, same place, actually, um, we will have uh, Rear Admiral retired. Dan Klopel and I know uh, Don Freed, I know you are watching. So thank you for setting that up. Uh, grateful for that. And really, we're going to continue that theme that we just heard uh, tonight about uh, uh, on the uh, Soldier Today uh, podcast, talking with uh, National Guard and Army Reserve. That is an issue that uh, that Rear Admiral Retired Global is, is, is tackling um, by working on uh, employment, as well as I can tell you, being on active duty right now. Um, they need spouses. to pick that DD-214 thing. Those guys deserve a DD-214. I don't care what anybody says. Well, absolutely. So we're, we're going to have a good conversation. <laughs> we are going to have a good conversation. So make sure you tune in and uh, make sure you click subscribe, rate, review, and share and find um, find more of these great conversations. And be sure to check out the Soldier Today podcast and be sure to check out everything AUSA. I usually do this earlier, but there we go. We have it there on the there screen. AUSA.org. Yeah, I'm sure flipping, to... dude. I know I am. I was so into the conversation. You're just, I forgot. Yeah, you're just generally, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot Wait, to I press buttons. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, again, thank you. Um, and uh, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back uh, next week for episode 48. Until then, have a good evening. Thank you.